0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski.
1: And you can just smell the fresh coffee brewing. It's another beautiful day here in the Catholic Cafe. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian. Tom, you doing okay? I'm doing great. It does smell good. It does smell good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. But you want a cup? It does. Very good. Well, we have a wonderful show. We're going to get right into that show. Uh, we got some exciting uh, stuff to talk about. Very exciting. So many people, when they talk to us, especially as Catholics, wonder mm-hmm. why the Catholic is so fervently pro-life.
2: They do. You're right.
1: A lot of times, uh, people don't really understand what that term means and where it comes from, and uh, and, and is it strictly a Catholic thing and that kind of stuff? and Right. So we thought we would bring in somebody who knew a little bit about pro-life.
2: The expert. We'll,
1: we'll call him the expert. I think he'll accept that, uh, yes. that praise. But it's Father Frank Pavone, who is the uh, director, we say director of the mm-hmm. priest's for Life organization. We're going to find out more about that. Father Pavone, thank you for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. It is, it is booth.
0: great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know
1: what? We ought to start right off the bat. A lot of people are not necessarily, you've been doing it for a while now, but yes. not necessarily totally familiar with the Priest for Life organization. Just what you guys do and where did it start?
0: Well, you know, we say as a priest ministers to his parish, so Priests for Life ministers to the pro-life movement. We see ourselves as pastors to the unborn and to the who serve the unborn. You know, I was ordained in, in, in 88 and I loved doing parish work, but I had also been involved in the pro life movement since high school days. And when I saw the impact on my parish of addressing the abortion issue with clarity, with compassion, with consistency, I, I, I thought to myself, this is, this is fabulous. We can make a difference. We can even end this, this this tragedy of abortion. So that got me just more and more involved in the movement. And I said, we, we have to do something to encourage the priests. Uh, and not only the priests, but everybody in the church to do something about the abortion problem. And that's what led to Priests for Life and to my full-time involvement as its director. We encourage the priests. We encourage the laity. We give everyone the call and the resources to do what they can do to, to end abortion.
1: This really was a, it was a calling for you, wasn't it? It all worked out perfectly R- timing-wise?
0: Yes, it did, because uh, Cardinal John O'Connor, who was a pro-life hero and constantly talked about the issue, was my bishop. He ordained me, and he was Archbishop of New York at the time that I had my my first years of priesthood. And so it was to him that I had to go to ask permission to do what was stirring up in my heart. And that is this call to serve the unborn full time. And he said yes. And right at that time, he had also started the Sisters of Life, which are now a flourishing women's religious community dedicated to pro-life. And, and as soon as he announced that, I thought to myself, we need something like this for priests. So I found out that it already existed. Some priests in California had started it. So I joined up. And then just before I I met with the cardinal to to ask permission to do pro-life full-time, the director of Priests for Life called me and said, we need a new leader for our our (laughs) organization. Would you be interested? So, like you said, the timing was perfect. Priests for Life is
1: not just for priests, right? That's so it's right. It's a family of ministries. You have lots of different things going on there. We
0: really do. We have deacons for life. We have seminarians for life. We have what we call the missionaries of the gospel of life, which is really open to anyone who wants to learn and publicly live the pro-life spirituality. Uh, we have training. We have public profession of promises. It's a beautiful movement. Uh, then we have, we operate the Rachel's Vineyard, healing after abortion, retreats throughout the world, silent no more awareness campaign where people who have been healed tell their abortion story. We've got political outreach. We've got Alveda King with the African-American outreach. She's the niece of Martin Luther King Jr. We've got Hispanic outreach. We've got a prayer campaign. We have all this, this family of ministries, which is uh, serving the church throughout the world. So
1: we have no excuse anymore to say, well, they don't have the ministry that I need. It's there. There's for everybody. That's they need right. They go to the website, which is what? Priestsforlife.org. Well, now let's talk about that pro-life spirituality. Yes. What what does it mean to be pro-life? I mean, you hear that from, uh, we don't want to get into politics here, but you hear this from both sides of all arguments. You'll always hear, well, we're pro-life, we're pro-family, well, we're pro-this. Everyone's pro-something. Yes. But the Catholic Church is very specific about what she teaches and believes about human life.
0: You know, it's really very simple. It's rooted in love one another. Mm -hmm. Now, God gives us this simple but profound message that we're to love him, we're to love our neighbor. And the unborn are also our neighbor. So we really don't have, in being pro-life any extra or exotic teaching over and above the same teaching that obliges us to love the born that obliges us to love each other to protect each other it's part and parcel of the very same thing. Human beings are who they are because they belong to God and if they belong to God we can't be masters of them, we can't make them slaves, we can't oppress them, discriminate against them, kill them or abort them. And
1: of course everyone is is born in the image and likeness of God right? Everybody has that human dignity that yes. we should respect regardless of whether they're born or unborn.
0: Well and like you say it's a human dignity which means we have it because of the fact that we're human we don't have it because some court decrees that they should grant it to us or some congress or some king gave it to us. Uh, if a congress or a king or a court gives us our human dignity, well, then they can take it away. But if it's human, then we have it pro- uh, so long as we are and because we are human beings, and nobody can take away our humanity. I have some friends,
1: and we have family, too, also, where we have these kinds of discussions a lot. And... They'll have these different arguments. You'll hear all kinds. Of, and I know you've heard them all in the 17 years you've been involved in Priest for Life. But let's just talk about a few of them. Sure. You know, first and foremost, someone will talk about the legal issue. They'll say, well, this is my body. I can do with my body as I please. Yes. Right? And so they're treating this growing human as an infection or a disease or something. If I want to purge myself of that, then I can do that. It's my legal right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's really not true that we can do with our body as we please. First of all, I mean, I I fly all over the country, and and anybody who flies knows full well you can't get up out of your seat while that plane is taxiing or, or going down the runway. You can't do what you want with your body. If you do that, you've broken a federal law. You're going to right. be in trouble. You know, you can't sit down in the middle of a highway. You can't shoot your body up full of drugs. There are certain things we can't do with our bodies. Why not? Because the rights of others are at stake. The safety of others and of ourselves is at stake. So there are certain limits to our freedom. Uh, and, and so when we say you, know, you can't have an abortion, yes, the baby is growing inside of your body. But, but that's another body. So right. if you have a right to your body, so does the baby have a right to his or hers. And and, and this is where our rights and our responsibilities begin to meet up against And that each baby other. didn't necessarily ask to be there. No, that's right. Right. That's so right. Was- and the baby's in the right place. You know That's, that's the right. other thing about it. People say, oh, well, you know, how come I have to, you know, be, how, why, the baby's in the womb. Well, that's where the baby belongs when the baby's that age. Uh, so it's, it's the natural way uh, that life grows.
1: Now, there's also folks that will tell you that they'll, they'll want to be the compassionate people, right? They'll, they'll say that, you know, this world right now we're in a really dark place in the world and, and, and it, I think it'd actually be more compassionate not to bring this child into this terrible world in which we're living. Yeah,
0: you know, it, and isn't that a, a statement of despair? You know, right. That the world is so bad uh, that it cannot receive a child. Of course, the interesting thing is if somebody's pregnant, the child is already in the world. That's Now right. the question is not mm-hmm. may, should I bring the child into the world? The question becomes may I throw the child out of the world? Mm. Uh, the other thing about it too is this. If, in fact, and, of course, we don't minimize at all the, uh, the difficulties that people may be in, the pressures uh, of, of raising a child, we know those difficulties. And uh, we say to people, look, we're ready to help. We're here to, for you and for your child. But if the difficult circumstances that so many people do have were to justify taking the life of that child before birth, why wouldn't they justify taking the life of the child after birth? I mean, let's say that the the, the young woman who is poverty-stricken, uh, maybe she's uh, in a drug-infested environment and, and, and we're afraid that the child is going to grow up that way too, and, and we say, oh, you know, what is the hope for this child? Let's say she goes through the pregnancy and she gives birth to the child. On the day the baby is born, is she any less poverty-stricken than she was during her pregnancy on the day the baby's born? Is, is that neighborhood any less drug-infested than than it was during her pregnancy, or, or does she have any more resources to help? And, of course, the, the answer is no. It's the same situation. So who would come along and say, well, you know, because of those same reasons, go ahead and kill the newborn? That would be, be considered barbaric. I've done a lot of work with, with
1: Birthright. We have a very active Birthright organization here. And... To hear some of these mothers who came in with all these reasons why they should not have a baby, yes, and right, and so birthright would help with either what was the rent or finding them a job or a place to live or, or, or clothes or whatever, and to hear the stories later of those women who are like, "Thank God that I had this baby exactly what a blessing exactly. this child has been, yeah.
0: you know you know what that shows it 's something I always I always say to people, those who argue, and we 're talking about some of the common arguments for abortion, they'll say, well, isn't this a matter of freedom of choice? No, that's, that's, that's not the reality of what's happening. People aren't getting abortions because of freedom of choice. They're getting them because they feel they have no freedom and no choice. Right. They, they don't want to do this. And that's why the church... Going back to the, the, the original question here is that why are we concerned about this? Because the church loves these people and wants to help them to do what's right. We don't want to condemn them. We don't want to oppress them. We don't want to dictate to them how they're supposed to live their lives. We want, and we don't want to take their rights away either. We want to take away their despair. We want to come alongside them and say what Jesus says to us. I am with you. I'll help you to do what's right. Now,
1: one of the other things I would bring up that I hear often, and we we hear this pretty much every election cycle. Yes. Right? You start to hear people saying, well, you know what? There are so many things wrong with the world. There are so many issues that we need to address. And really, this this life issue is really just one of them. Hmm. I mean, we have people who don't have homes. We have people who don't have health care. We have people that don't have good jobs. We need to get all of that straightened out before we start treating these as any sort of special issues. And
0: all those issues are critically important. We have to be active in all those issues. But the reason those issues are important is because life is important. It's like a house. The windows, the walls, the roof have to be strong. But if you don't have that foundation, it's all going to collapse. And life is the foundation.
1: I'm going to read a quote uh, from our previous Holy Father, John Paul II. It's a beautiful quote, and it just puts that in perspective. He said, Above all, the common outcry, which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, to home, to work, to family, to culture, is false and illusory if the right to life, the most basic and fundamental right and conditional for all other personal rights – is not defended with maximum determination.
0: That is a powerful quote. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorites, actually, from yeah. John Paul. And mm-hmm. uh, it's false and illusory because if you take away life, you've also taken away health care, education, housing, and all the rest.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And so we have more to talk about,
1: and uh, we'll do that when we come back. But want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. i also I'd like you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so we'll be right back.
2: I'm and this is another great moment in church history. Gianna Beretta was born in Italy in 1922. Her parents were devout Catholics who taught her to love God and trust in Him alone. She was an excellent student and greatly advanced in her studies. While at school, she spent much of her spare time living out her faith by assisting the poor and the sick and while working with such groups as St. Vincent de Paul. She graduated medical school and became an accomplished physician. In 1955, Gianna married her true love, Pietro Mola, and started a loving Christian home. In the next four years, the Molas were blessed with three beautiful children. Gianna excelled at her God-given ability to balance her life as a wife, a mother, a physician, and as a living witness of Christ's love for all mankind. All was well with Gianna Mola until the fall of 1961. While joyously received, her fourth pregnancy was only in its second month when doctors discovered a cancerous tumor in her uterus. The tumor was growing rapidly and would soon take her life unless immediate action was taken. The doctors insisted on either a radical hysterectomy or an abortion. Gianna made a heroic choice, a choice her family and friends say she prepared for her entire life. Against the recommendations of doctors and enduring great pain, Gianna chose to forego treatment and allow this fragile little life to come to fruition. Even days before the baby's due date, Gianna, weary from the struggle, demanded, If you must choose between me and the child, do not hesitate. Choose the child. I insist upon it, save the child. On the morning of April 21, 1962, Gianna Emanuela, a beautiful, healthy baby girl was born. Just one week later, the 39-year-old Gianna Beretta Mola, a woman who literally gave her all for her child, died. For her life of devotion to her vocation as a wife and mother, for her love of those in need, and for her ultimate gift of herself for the sake of another, she was canonized a saint on May 16, 2004. In his homily on that occasion, John Paul II said of her simple yet heroic life, Through the example of Gianna Beretta Mola, may our age rediscover the pure, chaste, and fruitful beauty of conjugal love, lived as a response to the divine call. St. Gianna truly lived her faith. Her feast day is April 28th. I'm Bess Droszymski, and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back once again in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, sitting here with Tom Dorian, my co-host, and, of course, Father Frank Bavone of The Priest for Life. So, Father Frank, we were just talking about all these reasons why it should be okay to have an abortion, but we talked about how we would address each of those arguments. Yes. You know, now we might need to talk about... Should we address those arguments, hmm. right? Should we do something? Are we are we going to leave this to uh, the fearless leaders of Priests for Life, and they'll take care of everything for us? Or. Are we supposed to do something about it? Well, you
0: know, the very reason we gave before as to why the church teaches against abortion is also the very reason why each and every person has to take action against it. It's love one another. Love is not just a doctrine. It's not just a theory. It's not just an attitude. It's got to be an action. We we have our unborn neighbors who are in need. Uh, We have their moms and dads who are in despair. And so the circumstance of the moment, if we're going to follow Jesus... Then we have to care about them. If we're going to love God, we have to love our neighbor. But what do we do? See, that's the
1: question. A lot of people think, well, I think I'm pro-life. Yes. But I don't really do anything about it on a daily basis.
0: Yes. Well, you know, we mentioned our website earlier, but we started a new action website that I'd like to tell people about. Sure. It's called 10 Steps to End Abortion. Dot com. It, you can use the number ten or spell it out T E N. It'll go to the same place. Ten steps to end abortion. Uh, that's where we've summarized the many different activities that we believe are the the key ones that people need to take. Uh, the first one, of course, is prayer. That we, we, and there are many different ways to prayer pray about is powerful
1: those. and it does change things. It
0: changes things. It really does. Because usually and, and, the
1: person that prays. You, the more you pray, the more you, you make that habit of faith, right? You start counting on that prayer, and you become invigorated. You, you start to act on that You prayer. really
0: do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We uh, said before, too, that uh, it's not that people feel freedom of choice. They feel they have no freedom and no choice, right. and that, that despair leads them to the abortion clinic. So one of the things people need to be active in doing is informing themselves about what are the alternatives to abortion. We mentioned the birthright. There's there's, uh, so many other uh, centers, pregnancy centers. The help is available if people know where to send uh, uh, those. They might be friends. They might be friends of friends. But sooner or later, we're all going to run into a situation where we hear about someone who's pregnant and in need. There are alternatives, PregnancyCenters.org, for example, is a great website where people can find the the pregnancy center nearest to where they live. Um, The option line, as it's called, 1-800-395-HELP, is a key number that people should memorize Again, there, they could save a life just by connecting somebody with them. And the are help. all
1: these, these different resources, are they mentioned on your website? Are we able to find those They're at Life.org? Uh,
0: absolutely. And, uh, and on this 10 Steps to End Abortion uh, site, with each of these um, these areas of activity, people will find the concrete resources to carry them out, like these numbers.
1: Now, is, uh, is prayer enough? Is, should we stop at prayer? I
0: mean, you hear the... No. No, it's not enough because, because, you know, prayer is union with God. And, and, and union with God means not only that we sit in his company, but that we do his work. God is doing good in the world. He wants to do it through us. And, and, and that's why action is not only the, the judge that it's following upon prayer, it's integral to it. Two sides of the same coin.
1: You have a great uh, uh, image you you talk about with uh, with like a, a firehouse.
0: Oh, yes. When, you know, uh, yeah, when uh, the fire alarm goes off, it, what do the people in the firehouse do? They don't sit around the firehouse and have a prayer service. <laughs> they go to where the fire is, you know. I mean, hopefully they are praying before, during, and after <laughs> their rescue efforts, but they've got to go where the victims are. And, and, and that's, just, that's particularly appropriate uh, component to this abortion problem, because uh, there is a fire raging. There are victims, there are lives in danger each and every day. And In fact, there's nothing that takes more human life. And and so we've got to be going to where uh, the victims are. And they're all around us, which is why, you know, if we speak up, if we say that there are alternatives, uh, if we go and pray at the abortion facilities, if we volunteer at the pregnancy centers, there is so much we can do. If we, in our own circles of influence, can just spread the information Mm -hmm. that people need uh, to be a little more conscious of this issue a little more aware, for example, of the the, the negative effects of abortion. Uh, people don't think about that; they think of it as a solution to a problem. They don't realize it's also going to cause more problems, physical, emotional, and uh, and spiritual. Father, do you have any examples of of a pair of parishes adopting that that ten step process? Uh, and I guess I'm also curious about what kind of an impact it had on those parishes. You know, where they make it their primary ministry. Well, you know because I travel throughout the country all the time, I see so many places where these things are being implemented. Parishes, for example, that will have this prayer to end abortion which mm-hmm. we're going to use at the end of the program today. Uh, in there in the uh, in, in, mi- in the missile mm-hmm. A- and and they have the people say it at the end of the prayer of the faithful or at the, in some parishes at the end of mass. These people are then uh, encouraged to go out and to pray it in their families, in the schools of the parish, some parishes that have Schools. The children are praying at the beginning of each day. Then, of course, you have the um, the parishes that have, for example, the baby showers, and that they'll 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 have a nine month period where each week they'll they'll tell the parishioners here's where uh, a baby's development would be at this stage of pregnancy, and then they invite the people during the period of that uh, uh, that those months to bring forward. Uh, offerings of, of baby clothes and other other items or just uh, monetary resources that they 'll use then for women in their community who are pregnant and in need and need some alternatives Uh, they'll either help the pregnancy centers or the parish itself will become the haven where people come uh, and uh, some parishes uh, i've been to have the um, the sign right out on their front lawn that Mm -hmm. has that number on it we mentioned before and 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 that says come here if you have a a friend or if you yourself are pregnant and in need we're going to help you that's good stuff
1: i can't imagine a parish that would be involved in something like that and not benefit as a parish
0: yes they benefit that's right. Exactly. I mean, how,
1: how do they benefit?
0: Well, first of all, the people in the, in the community feel more drawn together. They say, you know, we are the, the, being the body of Christ means not just that we worship within the four walls of this church, but our encounter with God means that we're more aware of the needs of people in this community who maybe never come to the church. So it, 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 and if they're aware of those needs and responding to them when it comes to abortion, they end up being more sensitive to those needs when it comes to feeding the poor local soup kitchens, uh, if there's an earthquake in Haiti, the, the, the people are, are instinctively more responsive. Why? Because they're already in that mode. I remember
1: uh, seeing these people that would stand out in front of abortion clinics, hmm. and I didn't really have a good positive attitude about them because they would hold up signs that had uh, what I thought were terribly disgusting pictures. And right, you know what? They right. truly are terribly disgusting oh, pictures. yes, yes. Right? But, but I thought it was like, oh, it's all shock value, and they're just trying to scare people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But the reality is, do you think that there is a real awareness problem? You mentioned awareness so much in what you've been saying that I don't know that people are really aware of what's happening.
0: They are not. Uh, w- the word abortion has lost its, its meaning for a right. lot of people. We've used it, it we, so we, much, we, it's, it's become it's commonplace. Like, what is it? yeah. oh, plus, too, it's pro-choice. It's not even abortion. We're not pro- even abortion. It's a war of words. That's right. That's why on our website, and, and, and people will see this at the 10 Steps to End Abortion or priestforlife.org, that uh, we have one of the largest collection of these pictures of of the aborted babies and the the medical descriptions of the procedure. People read those, they look at those pictures, they write back to us and say constantly, I had no idea what this was. I had no idea. And as soon as I saw that picture or I read that description, I decided I'm going to be fighting abortion the rest of my life. It's amazing. I mean, we, we think that people know. What it is, but when you actually see it, I mean well, and, and we really we, we, we take this approach with other evils too. I mean, if we want to waken people up to the to the situation of poverty in the world, what do we do? We have these powerful commercials yes. showing the, the starving yes. children and I mean we know about it conceptually, yes, people are starving, but it 's when we see the eyes of that child and, and the, you know the bones showing through the body right. that we, then we write the check for the poor. Yeah. Well, another eye-opening
1: thing is the sheer numbers. I don't think people realize how many babies are being aborted. How yeah, many babies are being murdered? That's right. Every day.
0: Yeah, in the United States alone. Every day we have close to 4,000 abortions still wow. occurring. If you
1: think in, about uh, that, you know, we're it, it, all horrified by 9-11, right? We're horrified by that attack and, and some 3,000 people lost their lives that day. And that is a, it's a true tragedy. Yes. And it reverberates and echoes uh, throughout the country into to this day. You know that everyone was hurt by that, right? Yes, exactly. But then there's this silence when it comes to abortion. And, and that number of people in those Twin
0: Towers is dying every single day. It's 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 beyond words. And another aspect of this too is this that we have through the Silent No More Awareness campaign, the women and the men who've had their children aborted are speaking up louder than ever about the damage it does to them. So on the one hand we have the baby who died, and on the other hand, we have the parents who are wounded. And one of the concrete actions we can take is to take those testimonies, because these men and women are now are standing up, and it's on our, uh, on our website. They can listen to the testimonies. They can download them. They can quote them and share them with others, because then people are coming around full circle. Because even if they see, oh, yeah, abortion takes the life of the baby, then we still have people saying, yes, but that woman needs it because it's good for her or it's helpful for her. And when they can say, wait a second, there is no but there because it hurts her too, and here's proof, they don't have to listen to me, listen to their voices, then people begin to say, yeah, we really do have to stop this. And even the legislators uh, get persuaded by that when they hear the voice of the women's testimony because they think, oh, well, we're helping the women by keeping abortion legal. And when the women are saying, hey, you didn't help me, you hurt me, then we're going to begin to see some change. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, hopefully we've opened a few eyes. Uh, so. With this uh, yeah. brief discussion. Father Frank Pavone, we thank you so much for coming and visiting well, us Thank Dad. you. And you are welcome anytime to Absolutely. come back to sample our coffee here at the luxurious corner oh. booth at the
0: Catholic <laughs> Cafe. <laughs> it's a good cafe.
1: All right, very good. Thank you. Well, you know, we talked about this prayer to end yes. abortion that is available actually on your website, priestforlife.org. Yes. Uh, well, why don't you lead us in that prayer, Father? Well, thank you. Us out
0: And we invite people to pray this every day. Lord God, I thank you today for the gift of my life and for the lives of all my brothers and sisters. I know there is nothing that destroys more life than abortion, yet I rejoice that you have conquered death by the resurrection of your son. I am ready to do my part in ending abortion. Today I commit myself never to be silent, never to be passive, never to be forgetful of the unborn. I commit myself to be active in the pro-life movement and never to stop defending life until all my brothers and sisters are protected and our nation once again becomes a nation with liberty and justice, not just for some, but for all. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe.
2: If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Deacon Jeff at